You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. We are a Bible church. Amen for that. Number one, we believe that the Bible is the word of God and the only authority in our lives. Amen. And number two, we apply the Bible to our lives, the whole Bible. Now, I'm told that this is radical, but I think it's just basic. Amen. Basic Christianity. Uh, I want to read in 2 Timothy 3.16, scripture that uh, we are very familiar with. The Bible says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture means all scripture. The whole Bible. In Numbers Numbers 23, the Bible says, verse 19, God is not human that he should lie, not not a human that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Amen. So I, I also, there's so many scriptures in the Bible that say that talk about this. The Bible also said that God does not change, and many other scriptures says that He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yes. So it's very important that as women, as sisters, as builders of God's churches all around the world, we have a deep conviction about this. Um, I just want to give you a few examples that we can all relate to about how we need to always consider the whole Bible. God's plans for salvation has always been the same. For all nations. In Genesis 18, 18, we all know this passage of scripture. It talks about how Abraham will become a powerful nation. Through Abraham came the promise, and all nations on earth would be blessed through him. And of course, we see a fulfilled all over the New Testament, Matthew 28, 18, we know that Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. But we see that it's always been God's heart from the beginning. If we want to talk about marriage, God's plan has always been the same. God hates divorce in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we see the exact same teaching. Discipling. Discipling has always been around. All the great prophets had someone walking with them who helped them to become great prophets. And we have Naomi and Ruth. Dating advice. Naomi and Ruth. (laughs) Nothing new. Right? The whole Bible. Being totally committed. Abraham was called to be totally committed, to be sold out, to give up everything. His precious son. And I really think about the missionaries when when I read this. It makes me um, cry, actually. And And I think about Isaac. Isaac was also called to give up everything. He trusted his dad because he saw his father's faith. And I can picture Isaac, you know, carrying his little, his, his, his part of the wood for the sacrifice as well. And I think about all the missionaries and, and the children. They go with us. But this is nothing new. Really sacrificing for God's glory and for his purposes has always been God's heart. I think about um, purity in the Bible, um, raising children. I think about Hannah. Hannah gave up Samuel, baby Samuel. 
we're called to give up everything. So, sisters, we have to love the word, all of it. Why is this so important? Because it has an eternal impact. The consequences of not um, um, loving and appreciating the whole Bible, not having a conviction that we are a Bible church, Old Testament and New Testament, is disunity. What Chris McGrath was talking about, that's disunity. I live that as well. Uh, You know that a lot of the churches, uh, the church that I was a part of, stopped doing the kingdom study. I love the kingdom study. I don't know about you, but I think it's the most exciting. By the time when I teach the kingdom study, I'm almost standing on, on, on the chair in Starbucks just when all the promises become fulfilled. It's like, how can you have one without the other? We are a Bible church, and we have to have a deep conviction, but we have to know our Bible. Amen? We have to know our Bible. When um, Jesus referred to Scripture... When he says over and over again in the scriptures, it is written, he's referring to the Old Testament. And um, with this, if we have this conviction, we will be powerful for God's sisters. Why? Because we will not be fooled by Satan. We will not be confused. We will eliminate false doctrines in our lives. Right? We will not become lukewarm. When we have these convictions, we can teach with authority. You can reach out to all sorts of people. You can study the Bible with the best of them. You can reach out to uh, people who only believe in the Old Testament. You know, um, there's this great study series that was developed a long time ago, and um, I, it's it's kind of I I, I don't know how I, I got a hold of it, but it's amazing. It's all the first principles using only Old Testament scriptures. It's amazing. So, I want to leave you with 1 Timothy 4.16. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your your hearers. So, it's very important to have a deep conviction about our doctrine. And our doctrine comes from the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. We need to have this conviction to build powerful women's ministries. And if we hold to the teachings, as Jesus said, all the teachings, sisters, we can truly bring God glory. Amen. So hello, my name is Anu, and I am from just newly planted Stockholm Church. And uh, my topic is silent where the Bible speaks. And I hope you know this, uh, Lucy, thank you so much. It really bathed my way to one <laughs> It's like, great, I'm like, okay, so we have to speak. <laughs> but uh, I hope we'll be inspired to study out the Word of God. Because it's just so inspiring, you know, deep, deep. Why? Do you know for sure? Do you have your own convictions? Yes. What is not in there? And what is in there? Because you're going to be very confused. Have you heard of someone, or maybe it was you who said once, um, when you read the Bible, it's all a matter of how you interpret it. Yeah, right. But you know, guys, and everyone has their own interpretation. But God didn't call us to interpret, yes. but to obey. Yes. And to follow Jesus. And there are so many scriptures we could use. I mean, every, all the Bible talks about that. And I picked only a few of them. And first point, of course, is why to be silent when the Bible speaks. First of all, this is God who speaks. 
And you don't want to go against God. A word of God is not just full of do's and don't do's, but lives of different people, their destinies. What happened when they obeyed God? How God blessed them, how God worked. And what happened if they didn't? You could write down uh, 1 Samuel 15, 1 to 24. It's a great example. So one of the, just one of the stories. What happens when you don't obey? When God commands something, we better do it. And not it's like, oh, it's a, he said that, but he probably doesn't mean that. No, he totally means everything. He doesn't do mistakes. And that's why he's God, and I'm not, and you're not. Because he doesn't do mistakes. And every command has a purpose. And God always explains why. And why, why, why is this a command? What's the purpose of it? And if you're not sure about something, you better study out why God says this and why God says that. Dig deep. So why God hates sin? Because he loves us and sin hurts us and he can kill us. And Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19, 10. And this is very concrete in the scriptures. Who is saved and who is lost. What is sin and how to get saved. And if the Bible says that you should have to be you have to be baptized with the water, full immersion, we have to obey it. It would say that we have to stand five minutes on our heads. We should do it. But guess what? Bible doesn't say that. If it would say, you know, pray Jesus to your heart, we would have to do it. But it doesn't say that. Stick with the scriptures. This is a matter of life or death. And secondly, we can speak where the Bible is silent. So I want to read uh, the first scripture. It's two scriptures in 1 Corinthians 10. Oh, I already wrote that. 1 Corinthians 10 and uh, verses 23 and 24. Everything is permissible, but not everything is is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Okay, so whatever kind of problem we would face here, our day, believe me, first century Christians had the same problems. We all come from very different backgrounds. I look at look around. I'm not talking about age, so but <laughs> but when you know the nationality, maybe you were brought up religious, maybe you were like me. Didn't believe God in God at all, and and you know because it's so easy to make our own sin lists, yes. you know. But uh, it has to match with God, and you know why it's so dangerous that we make our own lists. Let's check another scripture. It's First Corinthians four six, and it says here, "Now, sisters." I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one woman over against another. So we just read 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24. So we should seek the good of the others, okay, to save as many as possible. And if we're going to be just, you know, okay, I'm better, look at me. But it's not in the Bible. It's not going to benefit anybody. It's going to argue. It's not going to be good. But 
Whatever serves the purpose to seek and save the lost will do it. Okay, one example. There is maybe not word Bible talk in a Bible, but they certainly study the Bible. So uh, we can do it because it says it serves the purpose to seek and save the lost. It helps people to get saved. Okay, there is no, no such a thing that, example in the New Testament, that they used musical instruments in the worship. But it's full in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's it like is. everywhere. Yeah. But we cannot do it because encouraging them. Hopefully it sounds good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, it helps people get saved. Right. As you know, Michelle said, it connects, it's, it opens hearts, you know. Yeah. They use whatever, but helps people. Yeah. There is no open mic yeah. in a Bible. But if it takes the word, and you know, here in Europe, we have to be super creative yeah. because if you say, like, oh, Come, find God, the Bible. They're like, oh, okay, oh, I thought you're normal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have to be very creative how to pull people in. Like, okay, is it open mic? Is it some kind of, you know, scavenger hunt? Whatever. But you have to create it, you know, create it to bring people in to serve the purpose, seek, and save the lost. And that's why it's so important that we are free to understand where free freedom is and where is the hardliness of God. Thank you so much. discipling relationships Uh, and all of us at one point have been part of a church that did not have sold out disciples Uh, whether you were in a denominational church or you were part of our former fellowship we all know what that looks like and why God does not want that as women in God's sold out movement we have to love discipling and uh, this is a greater deeper conviction of mine however it used to not be Uh, for a long time I avoided discipling because I was afraid that I would get in trouble Uh, I I got discipled by others they would see me differently maybe I was fearful I might get taken out of leadership And a lot of times when I got discipled, I wanted to defend myself or justify my sin so that I didn't have to feel the full uh, weight of my sin and to have to see who I really was at my core. Um, I just had such a worldly view of discipling. Uh, I I really, it wasn't until... um, I went through a situation where I almost fell into impurity with a brother, uh, and then I was able to start seeing that it wasn't my sin that affected my discipler, uh, it was my sin that was affecting my relationship with God. And I think this is really the reason as women why we don't get open, why we don't seek after discipling, is because we don't see who our sin really affects. We focus a lot on people, um, and it's not until we understand the heart of why we have discipling that will really go after it and understand that we need it more than anything to stay faithful. So I want to look at a scripture in Proverbs 5. It's going to be verses 21 through 23. It says, For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sin hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. 
And God sees everything that we do. Uh, whether we know the motives of our own heart, God knows all the reasons why we give in to sin or why we uh, don't like to take discipling. Uh, and so it's it's not an issue of God knowing our heart because he knows it. The problem is we don't know our own heart. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond pure. Who can understand it? The whole idea of deceit is that you don't know that you're deceived. This is Satan's whole plan, is to confuse you, to not let you see where your sin is uh, getting you in your own relationship with God. And because of this, we need somebody else to tell us. We have to have someone else tell us what our sin is in our lives. And the scriptures teach that our own sin will entangle us and stop us from growing in our relationship with God. And I know all of us as women want to be in a certain place in our walk with God. We all want to be a woman that stands up for God's righteousness stands for his glory um and the only way to to get to this point in our lives is to break free from the deceit that satan's entangled us in and the only way to break free is through the bible and to get discipling from each other but many times we don't see discipling in this way because we don't understand god's heart and his plan for discipling uh and, and god's heart is that we'll be able to stay close to him because our sin separates us from God. And he just wants to expose those areas of our lives so that we won't be in the darkness, so that our, our relationship with God won't be severed because he cares about us deeply. He wants to stay in a close relationship with us always. Um, but it's when our hearts are far from our sisters that our hearts get hardened. Um, and discipling is God's plan to help keep us faithful to the end. But a lot of times it's so focusing on God, we focus on people and we start asking, is this really God that's speaking through this person or is it just is it just uh, the sister's own opinion? So I want to look at another scripture in Matthew 23. And it's going to be verses 37 through 39. And it's Jesus after he addresses the Pharisees, which we can also be sometimes as disciples. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Wow. Here's Jesus. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He's like so disappointed because he says that he keeps sending them prophets and they keep killing his prophets. And so many times God sends us women in our lives and we kill them by stopping them from continuing to disciple us. We shut off when we start getting discipled. Uh, we defend our sin when we start getting discipled. Um, and the, really our heart needs to be, thank you so much. Because it says uh, in the scripture that we won't be able to have Jesus with us. He says, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is the he who comes in the name of the Lord. Until you say, blessed is she who came, came in the name of the Lord. Thank you for discipling me. Thank you for seeing this in my character. I, I would be entangled in my sin if you didn't come talk to me about this. But instead we get, we get focused on the wrong things. I just want to encourage us as women to focus on God that unless we allow the women in our lives to disciple us, we 
won't see Jesus. We'll be in a desolate place like the scriptures teach. So how are you doing in your discipling relationships today? Disciplers, I have a challenge for you. In Proverbs 27, 6, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. If we're not causing any kind of wounds in our relationships with each other, we're not being a true friend. We're not being a godly friend. This is a discipling movement. We have to be taught to obey and teach others to continue to obey. Uh, as discipling partners, we need to speak the truth in love to each other. I think a lot of times as younger Christians, we can get really zealous and excited. Like, we want to call out people's sin, but then we can get really harsh. But uh, the goal really needs to be to speak the truth in love, to build up his church. And if you've been cowardly in your relationships with one another or a woman that you disciple, I want to call you to make a Bible study for the woman that you disciple this week and to tell her the truth in love. What does she really look like in her character? Uh, help her get to heaven. I've been that person that I focus on myself too much in a D time instead of focusing on the other person's, their relationship with God. And uh, for disciples, get open, share the worst parts of yourself first, and let's give glory to God by speaking the truth to love and honor and privilege to talk to you about a subject that I'm very passionate about, which is central leadership. And it's so crazy to me that central leadership, just that concept, has such a bad reputation in the world. And we get criticized and judged because we apply central leadership in God's church. And the world thinks of central leadership as a dictatorship. Wow. It's that word control. Yeah. They control you. You're like robots in their hands. Wow. Let me tell you something. It's never us. We never have the control of our lives. Either it's Satan or it's Jesus. Okay? So, I don't know about you. I want Jesus to be in control of my life. Okay? And I'm sure you do too. And guess what? For that, we need central leadership. Yeah. Turn, turn with me to Numbers 27, on, verse 15. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in so that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. So surprise, surprise. Central leadership is very biblical. <laughs> and guess what? Uh, Joshua was not the only appointed leader that we see in the Bible. There is actually a pattern, and uh, you can do an amazing Bible study, and I encourage you to do it. I did it. It's amazing. You see that line? If we only start with Moses, then Joshua, then David, then obviously Jesus then Peter, then James, 
then Paul, and we can add some of the judges. We can add Deborah because we are in the women's session, so Deborah is also a leader. We see that there are always a time when God calls out from the people a strong, powerful leader. So this is what we do in our fellowship. And we don't apologize for that. We consider it not an instrument of control, but of salvation. Central leadership is a salvation issue. To get that level of unity that uh, Michelle was talking about in John 17, we need central leadership. It starts at the top. Okay? I was, as many of you uh, know, a remnant from our former fellowship. And so, just to make it simple, um, central leadership was abandoned. And autonomy was favored. And that's what killed us. We imploded from the inside out when we stopped believing and practicing central leadership. You want to know what it looks like? You just have to turn to 1 Corinthians 1, starting verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that it may no be divisions among you and that you may perfectly be united in mind and thoughts. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? The answer is no, of course. Christ is not divided. And in our former fellowship, in my former fellowship, well... There was somebody who said, I'm from that leader, I'm from this leader. And soon enough, the church of God was gone. And I remember times of not only quarrels, but backstabbing, betrayal. It was even worse than the world. And who suffered the most? The flock. So, sisters, I strongly encourage you to have deep convictions about central leadership and to study it out in the Bible so you can answer to all those who criticize you for that. You should be proud. You should feel blessed to be in a church where central leadership is the key. of the nation in our generation. Because of this, I had to give up my name, Alona, and now I'm Yelena because it's understandable for all nations. And uh, actually, Yelena is my official name from the passport. It's okay. Alona is my home name from parents. But yeah, I'm just happy to have the same name with Yelena McKin. <laughs> and uh, John 4. Uh, John 4, uh, verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria, and then uh, verse 7 to, uh, to 10. When a Samarian woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The Samarian woman said to him, you are Jew, I am Samar- Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? 
If you knew the gift of God and who it, it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would get, uh, have given you living water. So uh, now uh, it's, it's, it's amazing because uh, women in this time, they was actually in very bad condition, uh, in very bad, um, actually in very bad position. But this woman, she had attitude. So she had attitude, she said like, you're a Jewish, I'm Samaritan woman. So now uh, you can go any place in the world. It's hard to find the place when women pretty humble. And if they, you will ask the water from them, they will immediately give the water. Usually they want to talk. And uh, if, especially if you will go with the with Bible, with uh, challenge or with inspiration, most of all of women, they don't want to talk. Or uh, what I uh, see all the time in any mission teams, first what people asking who you, who you are and uh, are you from. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's amazing because I'm Ukrainian, yes. and uh, I went to Russian with Russian Russians to the Russia with mission team, and it was war time, time of war. Yeah. It was amazing challenge for me. Yeah. I decided to pray all year before about my heart because I felt I can't go to another nation uh, without love in my heart. Yeah. Uh, you know, people uh, in some some places they can ask like, "Wow, you came from capital city to our, our city," and it's easy to talk to them and give them something. But sometimes, like people in Russia, in Moscow especially, they can say, "Who are you? Are you Ukrainian? I'm Russian." And uh, it's amazing because Jesus said, "If you knew the gift of God, so He came to give, so He came, He came." to give the some gifts. So he started to say about, I have something for you. Right. I understood I need to bring something for these people. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah, if you have in your mind the thoughts, uh, the mission team is fighting, uh, it will be hard for you. Yeah. It will be hard for you to have a dream and to grow in your faith. Wow. But if you have in your uh, thoughts the understanding, the mission team, it's place where it's time to give love, to give heart, right. uh, you will win people, like yeah. Jesus did with this Samaritan woman. Yeah. So I want to inspire you, sisters, yeah. just uh, before you will even know where you will go, where you will be sent, by will of God to convert people in our generation, pray about love in your heart to any nation, any people around the world uh, where God will, will send you. Amen. Uh, you know this uh, uh, phrase, uh, from Russia with love? Yes. Yes. I have another phrase now, right. uh, to Russia with love. <laughs> because when they, when they crossing the, board, the boarding, uh, usually from any other country t to the Moscow, First question, what I uh, have from the officers, uh, what purpose of your visit? Yeah. And I have, I decided to say, I just love Russia. I just love Moscow. Uh, when you cross the border of UK, uh, you have a question, what purpose of your visit? I have to say, I love UK. Uh, when you're going to cross the border of America, United States, you have to be careful to say, I love you, America, because they will count you, you potential immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it's amazing because in John 4, 40, 41, uh, I never saw this place, but uh, let's read. Uh, so when the Samaritan came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more uh, be became believers. So I never saw that Jesus stayed in Samaria in two days. And Samaritan actually was kind of enemies of Jews uh, because of uh, different vision to how to glorify God. And uh, Jesus stayed two days. So he converted this woman because, because of his words. And uh, I wanted to uh, take your uh, attention for uh, John 4:11. She said, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And uh, where can you get the living water? And then he answered her. So, first words, it was, you are Jew, I'm Samaritan. Second words, when he said, I brought some gift for you. I brought the living water for you. She said, sir. So she said, she, it's no more division, no more Samaritans and Jew, no more Ukrainians and Russians. Now it's something, some unity. Now it's family. Now she, she felt she, uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus is uh, uh, the, uh, brought her some, some love and heart. Amen. He's from God. He's Savior. He's her brother. He became her brother, I believe, Amen. then. And then, because of his words, so she called him Sir, and then in John 4, 40, because of his words, Bible said, uh, Samar when, uh, so when the Samaritan came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. So uh, I want to inspire you guys, don't afraid, but pray for your hearts, for love in your hearts, to any nations what, uh, which God will send you, in the future, uh, don't afraid to be part of mission team in any nation, in any city. Don't count yourself, I'm a part of this nation, a part of this nation. We're a family of God. Yes. When you will get a lot of brothers and sisters who will speak with you, in, maybe in different physical language, but in the same spiritual language, you will, you will glorify God because we're a family. I want to see so some somebody will uh, love my parents in Ukraine, yeah. my family, my brothers, my sisters. So I love you. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one